0: Welcome to Checking In. I'm Carolyn Kilstra, the Editor-in-Chief of Self Magazine, and I am so excited to share our new podcast with you. We're always getting questions from readers about health and wellness, and right now, I think we could all use a little bit more support. So we started an advice podcast where real people call in with real issues and concerns and questions about their health and wellness. And I reach out to experts, thought leaders, and others who've been there before to try to help, or at least to start a conversation. Today, we're gonna talk about the physical manifestations of stress, when your body is trying to tell you something. And our listener who called in is struggling with something that many of us have probably dealt with, but don't talk about much, teeth grinding.
1: My name is Sarah and I live in New York City. Maybe a couple months ago, I woke up from this nightmare where my jaw had been locked shut and in the process of opening it, I like cracked and shattered all my teeth. But I didn't really think too much about it probably until like a month later. And I was sort of running my tongue along my teeth for some reason and felt what seemed like a big crack in one of my molars and that's when I kind of realized okay maybe this is actually a problem. I started to notice an increasing amount of jaw pain. I could feel my jaw spasming during the day. I'm worried that if I don't address this properly that I'm one going to do long-term damage to my teeth But two, I also feel like I'm sort of stuck in this loop of anxiety around the issue. And the more that I worry about it, that just makes me more and more anxious about it and potentially could be like making this worse.
0: So I have a quick confession here. I have a teeth grinding habit and I have had one for years, basically my whole life. Sometimes it's been much worse than at other times. And I remember, actually, when I was about to graduate from college, like a gajillion years ago, it was really, really bad. I had a serious issue. It was an incredibly stressful time in my life. I was freaking out about my future, which honestly made a ton of sense. It was June 2008, and I was about to graduate into an economy that was going off a cliff. Um, But, you know, that's another story for another day. Anyway... One morning, I woke up and my jaw was locked, like totally locked. And I completely freaked out, as you can imagine. I got it unlocked by taking a hot shower and whatever, but (laughs) I went to the dentist because I was like, this is a real problem. And the dentist told me that I needed to stop eating hard foods and things that require a lot of chewing, like apples and bagels and sandwiches and gum. And that sucked, to be honest, but over time it also definitely helped. My jaw hurt less and less. But also, maybe therapy helped. Like, I really needed to deal with my anxiety, which for me was manifesting in my jaw. And to be super, super clear here, there are a number of causes, unrelated to stress or anxiety or depression or mental health at all, that can create TMJ problems. TMJ refers to the joints in our jaws. Temporomandibular joints. It's what we use to talk, chew, and swallow. And it's these joints that get stressed and sore when we're grinding and clenching our teeth. And we're actually going to speak to a dentist later in the episode. But first, before we get there and before we talk about (laughs) the particulars of the TMJ, I really want to talk about the connection between our minds and our bodies and how. Sometimes mental health conditions can absolutely manifest with physical symptoms.
2: There's really no disconnecting the physical response of stress from the mental one, really, when you think about it. If I come after your toe with a hammer, you process that pain in your brain. You don't process it in your toe.
0: This is Dr. Andrea Bonier. She's a licensed clinical psychologist on the faculty of Georgetown University in their psychology department. And she recently published a book detox your thoughts. Can you talk me through what is happening to someone emotionally when they're grinding their teeth at night?
2: You know, a lot of times it's this idea of not being able to let go. So there's something that is anxiety provoking to them during the day. And instead of sleep being a restful period where they let it go, They're holding on to it. And you see that with the grinding. The muscle tension is still there. You're still tied up with these big, uncomfortable emotions. And it's almost like you you have to sort of get that energy out somehow. But the energy doesn't release it either. You're just in this chronic sense of tension.
0: Dr. Bonnier says it's almost like your body is detecting a threat and then pulling a fire alarm. So imagine that your body's firefighters show up to put out the fire.
2: But it turns out... The threat keeps going. And so these firefighters in the form of your body's stress response that were supposed to just extinguish the threat and be done with it, now they're working overtime. They're exhausted. They haven't gotten a good meal. They weren't supposed to be here this long.
0: So your stress level is still high. The fire is still raging. And when you're sleeping, that tension, it shows up in your jaw.
2: And instead of your body getting to relax into a deep state of sleep, you're activated, you're agitated, your nervous system is not completely calm. And so that's why you see that manifestation of that behavior even more during sleep, because the fire's still going. And so you've got this sort of motley crew of firefighters that are trying to throw their best stuff at it, and yet it's still just raging on and your body can't really let itself calm down anymore. Do you
0: think that there's something about this time in our lives right now, the year 2020 in particular, that's making us vulnerable to this?
2: Oh, absolutely. We've really never seen anything quite this chronically threatening in modern American history. So we're in a situation where for six or seven months, we have to overthink whether or not every day simple decisions are going to harm us. We used to take for granted the fact that we could go get groceries, right? Or we could get the mail or we could talk to a neighbor. We now have to think about that on such a level that it's exhausting.
0: Dr. Bonier's point is that we're experiencing collective trauma right now. And it's a particularly nefarious type of trauma because it's chronic, ever-present, ongoing, Think of it as the difference between experiencing a single traumatic event like a car accident or an earthquake and an ongoing traumatic experience like an abusive relationship or living in a city under siege.
2: Right now, nobody knows when this is going to end. And the uncertainty of that, the day after day after day of being in this chronic, hypersensitive to threat state, but not being sure when it's going to be over.
0: And that experience has ramifications in the moment and down the line, ramifications that can show up in our bodies in physical and painful ways. So let's say somebody comes to you and says that they're dealing, they're struggling with teeth grinding, they're working with a dentist and have all those practical ways of addressing it, but they know that what's at the root of it is anxiety. What advice do you give them?
2: I say for the first week or two, what you really need to do is notice what happens in my body with this anxiety. What happens in my mind? What days or moments is it better? What days or moments is it worse? What are some of the triggers of that? What do I notice about my thoughts? Let me really try to pay attention to what my inner dialogue is when my my anxiety is at its worst. Where am I feeling it? Am I feeling it primarily in my muscles, in my heart rate, in my breathing? What am I noticing about how it's affecting then my health habits that are going to make it worse? You know, for a lot of people, it's like not only am I stressed, but now I'm binge eating junk all the time. And so that's making me feel even worse. Or not only am I stressed, but I'm drinking more than I usually do. And that's making me feel hungover. So noticing all of that. That
0: first step of noticing is really important. No two people are the same. Our individual anxieties manifest in different ways. For you or for me, that might be teeth grinding. But for someone else, it could be insomnia or stomach problems or trouble breathing or a racing heart. There are a lot of ways that anxiety can show up physically in your body and in your behavior without you even realizing it. Which is, again, why that first step of noticing is so important. For example, you may notice that you feel anxious around the same time every single day, maybe around early evening. Just noticing that pattern can be a first step in helping you to change it.
2: Maybe it's that, you know, once the day is done and you're kind of coming off the adrenaline of that... You're just exhausted. And it really is a matter of needing to intervene and get more sleep. It is a matter of having more things to look forward to. Because maybe there's some hopelessness that sets in early in the evening. You know, it could be anything. But that first step is really to observe yourself. Putting your anxiety
0: into context when it feels irrational. I can wrap my head around that. That feels doable. But things are really bad right now. Actually bad. Like, genuinely terrible. What are we supposed to do when we aren't actually blowing things out of proportion and our anxiety feels justified?
2: We are in a bad situation. And so I think the key is starting to view instead the anxiety as a teacher, right? Like, anxiety is normal right now to some extent. What can it teach me? And that's where we get into the difference between sort of the functional, you know, okay, I'm planning, I'm realistically assessing threat, I'm feeling more in control because I've got a strategy to how to manage all these threats versus, nope, I'm cycling. I'm cycling over and over again. You know, like I work with a lot of people with anxiety that their anxious thoughts are actually fairly realistic But instead of moving on from them, they're cycling and cycling and cycling to the point where now they're in this sort of dreadful state of mind where they just feel negative about everything.
0: Even if an anxious thought's true, that doesn't make it helpful.
2: Anxiety should help us plan. Yeah, we have to wear a mask. Yeah, we have to wash our hands. Yeah, I have to be mindful and I'm not going to go to that happy hour. But anxiety shouldn't then make us cycle to the point where now we're just dreading everything or we're feeling less in control.
0: Dr. Bonnier has seen all sorts of patients dealing with this, people who have physical symptoms from things like anxiety or stress.
2: Somebody comes to mind, and I mentioned this in my book, that really had these physical reactions to having had his apartment broken into. And he hadn't been there when it happened. And so in his mind, the fact that he came back to his apartment and had trouble sleeping and had headaches and felt nauseated, in his mind, that didn't make any sense, right? Like, this wasn't a big deal. My apartment was broken into. What's wrong with me? And he really started feeling just ill.
0: So he went to the doctor. He had all these tests done. He was worried these headaches and heart palpitations and stomach issues were serious and would impact his life. And that just caused an extra layer of anxiety about his symptoms, in addition to everything he was already dealing with.
2: And the first part of our work together really involved him understanding that these bodily reactions were normal. They were an adaptation, right? They were getting in his way and we needed to work on them. But the first step was understanding these exist for a reason, The reason that your body is having these reactions is because of the fact that it needed to have these reactions. It's under threat. You're in this fight or flight all the time. That does affect your digestion. That does affect your muscle tension and headaches. So the first step was really understanding Hey, these symptoms don't mean you're broken. They don't mean there's a problem. They don't mean there's something wrong with you. Let's take a breath and we're going to work on getting through these symptoms, but we're also not going to pathologize them. We're not going to make you feel worse because these symptoms are, you know, somehow indicative of you having some big flaw. And then we started to work through anxiety reduction techniques, like in the moment.
0: Techniques like doing a body scan trying to notice if there are areas of your body that are trying to tell you something. Maybe you feel some tension in your neck or maybe you notice that your toes are cold. Really observing what's happening in your body physically.
2: The goal is just to notice. And the goal is to be able by noticing to actually calm yourself because it doesn't feel as frightening anymore. We're able to lay there and say, yeah, you know, my body feels tense. I don't like feeling this way. And yet I'm going to notice the tension. And ironically, by noticing it, that's where the magic happens. Because sometimes even just by noticing it, then we can start to work through it and minimize it. We can do breathing exercises to reduce some of our muscle tension or to help the headache go away or to even make our whole body feel a little bit warmer. That's when we can also actually do things to change it. But the first step is definitely the noticing.
0: And noticing isn't just in your body. It's also about being aware of your thoughts and emotions.
2: Sometimes moods are like weather patterns. They will sometimes pass. And we spend so much time trying to get them to go away right away or trying to understand exactly why they're there that we miss the opportunity to let them pass. Just being able to say, I'm having the thought that things won't get better that inherently helps us manage that thought in a more autonomous, more calm way than letting ourselves continue with the things won't get better, things won't get better, things won't get better, right?
0: So this process would work by recognizing that it makes sense that we're all pretty anxious right now. It makes sense Sarah is grinding her teeth because this is a really, really stressful time. But how much of that anxiety is productive or keeping us safe and how much of it do we need to try to let go of even if the worry is totally valid and justified and it absolutely is it can definitely still be more harmful than helpful what would it look like to treat somebody who deals with teeth clenching with therapy like what kind of conversations have you seen come up with stuff like this
2: I think it really is one of those beautiful examples of a therapist working in conjunction with another medical provider. So this would be a case where I would definitely want to hear directly what the dentist had to say, and what techniques they were putting into play, and how my client was managing those techniques as well. And then my job would be to build on that and decrease the overall anxiety. So a classic example of this would be, okay, you know, I went to the dentist, they gave me this mouth guard, and here's what they said I need to keep in mind. And so first we start off from there. How are you feeling about that? what parts of the strategy from a dental perspective do you think are going to be hard for you for a psychological perspective? How can we fill in those gaps? How can we make sure you actually are taking the steps that you're supposed to be taking? And trying to look, you know, what is working with the actual teeth grinding itself? When you do this new anxiety technique or anti-anxiety technique before bed, Do you notice that your partner says that you're grinding your teeth less that night? And really taking care to actually observe how it's changing, because it's my understanding, of course, that, you know, there's no magic bullet. It's not, oh, I did some yoga, and now I don't grind my teeth anymore. But it's a matter of constantly collaborating to tweak to get a little bit better and to notice the patterns of what's working and what's not so that you can move in the direction of getting better, because the little changes are what we're after for them to accumulate over time.
0: Dr. Bonier also has some techniques and exercises that you can do at home, to help you relax.
2: So when we think about relaxation techniques, we've got to think about things that really incorporate both the body and the mind. Because it's hard to have a totally calm body if your mind is just running a million miles per hour. And it's definitely hard to have a very calm mind if your body is in fight or flight, if you're really agitated. So any kind of technique, you're going to look for something that can break that cycle and that by intervening mentally, for instance, it can calm the body or by intervening physically, it can calm the mind. So a first step of that would be something like diaphragmatic breathing or belly breathing, so to speak, where we really take time. We take a slow inhale through the nose and a slow exhale out through the mouth. Usually a pause in between the inhale and exhale is really important. And to really extend the inhale and especially the exhale as much as possible. And then you can start to pair this with other things. You can pair this with progressive muscle relaxation, which means systematically going through each of your muscle groups one by one and tightening them, And then releasing that tension from your feet all the way up to your head, scrunching up your face. You hold that tension. You actually maximize that tension for a few seconds and then you let it go.
0: Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate the time. Have a wonderful afternoon. I hope you are able to relax a little bit. (laughs) Thanks so much. You as well. We'll be right back after this quick break. All right, back to Sarah, the person who asked us about grinding her teeth at the beginning of the episode. As Dr. Bonnier explained, Sarah also needs to take a trip to the dentist. And if you're dealing with teeth grinding, you need to go see a dentist too. Because yes, it sounds like she has some work she needs to do from a mental health perspective and to try and help her manage her anxiety. And that's really important. But she also needs to make sure that she's taking care of her teeth. So we called up Dr. Antonia Terrell, She's not just any dentist. Dr. Terrell specializes in TMJ issues. Hi, Dr. Terrell. Thank you so much
3: for taking the time to speak with us. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Nice to meet you. What drew
0: you to this work?
3: Pain. (laughs) I like helping with people in pain. I like patient care. And it's just the nature of the specialty. You have The opportunity to talk, it's a lot of talking with the patients. It is extremely rewarding. Like you can see people, they come in severe pain, crying. You know, you can see the distress in their faces. And after, you know, you start your treatment, even sometimes within a few weeks, they come and they look like, chirpy, and they, their eyes are bright, you know, and they feel so much better. So it's, it feels really
0: good. I asked Dr. Terrell, if Sarah were to walk into her office, what would be her first recommendations? We try always to start with conservative treatment. She calls it self-care. Things like eating soft foods, having better posture, exercising, alternating between warm and cold compresses taking anti-inflammatories. You get the idea. And after that, it's night guards. Dr. Terrell says that some are better than others.
3: The one thing that I really will say to avoid is the soft ones. They are good in a pinch, okay? But they tend to make you clench more on it. If you put a piece of gum, something chewy, in between your teeth, you will want to chew it, right? So that can make it worse.
0: So all these treatments that we talked about, the, the diet, the exercising, physical therapy, medications, night guards, how effective are all of these treatments? 80 to 85% of the patients will improve with these measures. But even for those people, this is an ongoing issue. It's something people like Sarah will always have to be aware of and be working on. And then there's the 10% or so of people who don't see relief from these treatments, Dr. Terrell says that there are still some things you can try. Some people get surgery or go to physical therapy or even receive Botox injections. But for most people, they walk into Dr. Terrell's office, they get some self-care tips, and she doesn't see them again for a while. Usually not until they experience some kind of stressful life change that seems to re-trigger the issue.
3: It's the natural course of the disease. It works and wanes, ways, right? It has periods that you're good, but then it flares up depending on, you
0: know, what's going on in your life. Okay, so it seems like we have some really solid tips for Sarah. One, go to a dentist, get your teeth checked out. Two, try to really notice when you're feeling anxious or when you're grinding or clenching your teeth. Pay attention to your body and how you're feeling physically and do what you can to try to calm yourself down, maybe with some breathing exercises. And three, maybe see if you can find a therapist. It could be a sign that you benefit from talking to somebody. I hope this has been helpful to you, Sarah, and to everyone else listening who's stressed and taking it out on your teeth. Thank you so much for checking in. If you enjoyed the show, Make sure to rate and leave us a review and subscribe to the podcast. It helps new listeners find the show. You can find additional information and episode references in the show notes. Follow Self on Instagram at Self Magazine. And follow me. I'm at Carolyn Kilstra. On our audio team, supervising producer is Odelia Rubin. Lead producer is Haley Fager. Executive producer is Shara Morris. Producer is Phoebe Underman. Associate producers are Andrea Patanzos and Kate Mishkin. And sound engineer is Scott Somerville. On the self team, the editorial lead is Sarah Yalowitz. Special project director is Amy Eisinger, Researchers are Amy Martirano-Winderall and Colleen de Belfon, And production manager is Nico Steele. The theme music is by Biscuit & Butter, courtesy of Blaze Unlimited, LLC. Special thanks to Julie Shen and Neon Hum Media. Thanks for listening. See you next week.